heaven will you be there. We're going to read some scriptures in Revelation chapter 21, then over into John chapter 14. If you have a Bible, you can turn there. If not, I just ask you to listen carefully to God's word. Revelation chapter 21, and we're going to read from verse 1. And I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth were passed away, and there was no more sea. And I, John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a great voice out of heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and he will dwell with them, and they shall be his people, and God himself shall be with them and be their God. Now listen carefully. And God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes, and there shall be no more death, neither sorrow nor crying, neither shall there be any more pain, for the former things have passed away or are passed away. And he that sat upon the throne said, Behold, I make all things new. And he said unto me, Write, for these words are true and faithful. And he said unto me, It is done. I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end. I will give unto him that is a thirst of the fountain of the water of life freely. He that overcometh shall inherit all things. I will be his God, and he shall be my son. Verse 8 says, But the fearful and unbelieving and abominable and murderers and whoremongers and sorcerers and idolaters and all liars shall have their part in the lake which burneth with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. If you turn over tonight, if you have a Bible, into the Gospel of John, John chapter 14, verses 1 through to 6. Very familiar words that we're going to read tonight. Often you'll hear these words quoted at funerals. John 14 and verse 1. Jesus said, Let not your heart be troubled. Ye believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there ye may be also. And whether I go, ye know not, and the way ye, and the way ye know. And Thomas said unto him, Lord, we know not where thou goest, and how can we know the way? And Jesus said unto Thomas, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. Heaven, will you be there? You know, this this disease, this COVID-19, this pandemic that has 
swept across the world from China right across the globe. This disease, I've heard it said over the past couple of weeks, is an unseen enemy enemy with devastating effects. Over 2.4 million people across the world have now contracted this this COVID-19, this deadly virus. Up-to-date figures today tells us that over 161,000 people have sadly lost their lives to this disease. But this disease, you will agree with me, has got the attention of the world. It has grasped the attention of every nation. It has grasped the attention of every government. It has grasped the attention attention of the worldwide media. And it has grasped the attention of every individual on this globe. This COVID-19. Every day we see the devastating statistics presented to us. And not only that, we are now looking at a devastating economic collapse that is about to follow. But one thing is for sure in the midst of all of this. This world knows about this virus. The whole world is aware there isn't one person around us today that is not aware that there is a virus called COVID-19 that has changed every aspect of our lives. We know that it brings fear and brings the reality of possible death. Up until a few months ago, the statistics concerning death were not really much of an interest to most. Most people just live their lives, carry on, do what they need to do, try their best to get on with life. But all of a sudden we are presented on a daily basis with the statistics of death relating to this virus. Every day we see the graphs presented to us. Every day we see the figures released of the new cases of this disease. Every day we see the death, the sad deaths of those who have passed from this scene of time into another scene of time, the afterlife. Every day we realize that some poor soul has passed from this present stage of life into eternity. A family has lost a loved one. A community has lost a friend. And so every day we realize that even though it's a statistic, but it's a real person who's passed from this scene of time into another. And we watch the statistics every single day being presented to us of the devastating effects of this virus. Now we're more aware that there is a death. Now we're more aware of the re- aware of the reality of death. Death is a reality. And this virus has awakened, awakened the world to the reality of life and of death. It has awakened our conscience to, to know that we are here but for a short time The Bible says that our lives are like a vapor of air. We appear for a moment and then we're gone. We realize that that in the brevity of time, that in a moment that a household can be suddenly, drastically and dramatically changed 
if this virus reaches that home and the consequences could be dire, we realize then suddenly that life is precious. Death is sure. And over the past couple of months, we begin to be focused on the statistics that are presented to us. Beforehand, we didn't really have much thought or much knowledge of how many deaths there are. We didn't think about it, perhaps even ourselves, that there is a life to live, but there is a day that we'll all die. You know, in this year alone, up to this present time, as I've already said, there's 161,000 people have died through to this virus. But maybe you didn't realize that already this year, 146,000 people have died because of the flu, seasonal flu. Maybe you didn't realize already this year to date, 2020, that a quarter of a million people have died through water-related disease. Maybe you haven't already realized that to date this year, 288,000 people have already died because of malaria. Maybe you haven't realized that half a million people in 2020 have already died because of AIDS, HIV. Maybe you haven't realized that 1.5 million people in 2020 have died because of smoking-related disease. Maybe you haven't realized 735,000 people have already died because of alcohol. Maybe you haven't realized that 315,000 people at least to date in 2020 have taken their own lives, has committed suicide. Maybe you don't realize that 12, over 12 million babies have been aborted in a womb, their lives terminated to date in 2020. Maybe you haven't realized, although this disease and this virus is devastating, but already in 2020, 17 million people in this world have already died, have passed from this scene of time into eternity. Here's the reality as we're looking at the statistics. Here's the reality that we must consider. That death will come to every human on this planet. That's something we must face the reality of. That one day, one day, we will be a number on the world's worldometer. The statisticians will put our figure in amongst the rest. Simply one figure amongst the millions. That we'll pass from this scene of time into eternity. One day we will all, every man and woman on this planet, will die. That's the reality. Every one of us will pass from this living scene of time into eternity. That's the reality. And this virus has brought the focus of death before us. But yet every day there are literally thousands that are dying, passing from this scene of time into eternity. Now the Bible says some things about death. I want you to listen. In Romans 6, very simply, and verse 23, this is what the Bible says. For the wages of sin is death. The wages is what you're due, is what you're owed, is what belongs to you. The wages of your sin is death. There are many ways 
in which it is recorded that people die, as we're hearing presently. But the Bible says that every person dies because of the wages of sin. You know, you, when you die, there'll be a death certificate issued by the registrar from the council. And on that certificate, there'll be your name, my name. There'll be the date of, of when you died. There will be the place of when you died. And, and most importantly, there'll be on that certificate the cause of your death. There'll be a certificate one day with your name on it. It hasn't been printed in the offices or the councils in this nation. But it is appointed, the Bible says, on the man wants to die. In other words, God knows the very day that you were born, and God knows the very day that you will die. He'll know the place that you'll die. He knows your name. He knows everything about you. The council may not have filled it in with their pen, but one day every man and woman will die. The wages of sin is death. Your name will be on that certificate. The date that you died will be on that certificate. The cause of your death will be on that certificate. And whatever means by which you die, ultimately, what you must know is that the wages of your sin is death. The reason why there's death is because of sin. In that box, they'll write many things, as already mentioned. But you must know tonight the reason there's death is because of the wages of sin. Death is sure for every person. And sin is the cause of death. The disease of sin is the greatest pandemic really that this world faces. Because it has a 100% mortality rate. It's because of sin that every man and woman will die. Hebrews 9 and 27 says, It is appointed, and is appointed, it is appointed on the man wants to die. And after this, the Bible says, after this, in other words, you must know, after the appointed day of your death, the time, the minute, the second, when you yield up your life, after this, there is an after this, have you prepared for the after this? After this, the Bible says, there is a judgment day. The deep question and search of every human in this life is to understand and to know, is there a life? What is the purpose of my life? And is there a life after this one? This is what the Bible says. I want you to hear it very carefully tonight. In Ecclesiastes chapter 3 and verse 20, the Bible says this, All go unto one place. All are of the dust, and all turn to the dust again. So when that funeral procession takes place, when that coffin is lowered into that grave, we return to that dust. That's what we are. But in verse 21, this is what it says. Who knoweth that the spirit of the man, the spirit of man, goeth upward? So your body, your body, when it dies, it is put down into that grave. But your spirit, your spirit, the Bible says, goes upward. The spirit of the beast that goeth downward 
to the earth. In other words, what makes us unique on this planet, regardless of what the evolutionists may tell you, regardless of what they say, that you are evolved from a monkey or we are just an advanced type of animal. We are not. God has created you in his image. We are created in the image of Almighty God. We are different from the beasts of this earth. The beasts, when they die, are put into the, into the ground and they're finished forever. But when we are dead, when we die, our bodies are put into the grave, but our spirits, what makes us different from the animal kingdom, we are made in the image of God. God knows us. God knows you. God knows you by your name. God knows the very hairs that are numbered upon your head. God knows the day that you were born, the first cry that you made, and the last sigh that you'll ever make. God loves you with an everlasting love. We understand then that there is something uniquely different about the human. That is why the devil is seeking to destroy the identity of mankind and all the shows and all the different avenues that are pressing in to remove the identity of man and woman. It's because the devil knows that we are created. You are created in the image of Almighty God. We are created in His likeness. The wages of sin is death. Ecclesiastes first, chapter 12 and verse 7 says, After this death, then shall the dust return to the earth as it was. But the Bible says this, that the Spirit shall return unto God who gave it. There is an afterlife. Your body might die and go into that grave. But there is a spirit that lives beyond that grave. The wages of sin is death. And there is a life beyond this one. There is a heaven beyond this one. And there is the reality of a place called hell. In Matthew chapter 6 and verse 9, we have been taught, many of us, from when we were kids, when we went to school, we have been taught in our schools from a very early age or Sunday school or children's clubs. We're taught to say the Lord's Prayer. Can you remember the first line of the Lord's Prayer? Our Father, which art in heaven. There's a heaven beyond this realm. When Jesus was baptized in the river Jordan and he came up out of the water, the Bible says the heavens were opened and the Spirit of God descended upon Jesus like a dove. And verse 17 says, And lo, a voice from heaven said, There was a voice out of heaven. And it said, This is my beloved Son, Jesus, in whom I am well pleased. Jesus in John chapter 6 and verse 38, he said these words, For I came down from heaven. God sent his only begotten son from the glories of heaven to come into this world to die on a cross for you and for me. He said, I have come from heaven not to do my will, but the will of him that sent me. It tells us that after his death, his resurrection in Mark 16 and 19, that the Lord had spoke to his disciples and he was received up into heaven and sat on the right hand of God. And that's where Jesus Christ is today. He's up in heaven at the right hand of God. Paul tells us this 
and 1 Thessalonians 4 and 16 concerning the second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. The signs of the end are all around us. And Christ could come at any moment. But this is what Paul says. For the Lord himself shall descend, where from? From heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, with the trump of God. The dead in Christ shall rise first. We which were alive and remain shall be caught up together in the clouds to meet the Lord in the earth. So shall we ever be with the Lord. The second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ is very near. And when he comes, those bodies that are in that grave, the spirits returned, but there's new bodies that are raised incorruptible. And we will receive a new body as we meet the Lord in the earth. He comes from heaven at the second coming. John the Apostle writing in the book of Revelation, he's seen ahead of time that there was a moment, and I believe this moment is upon us. This moment is so close. This is about to happen, the fulfillment of what he's seen. But in John 19, he says, I saw heaven and it was opened. Behold, there was a white horse. And he that sat upon him was called faithful and true. And this is what he said. In righteousness he doth judge and make war. His eyes, this is Jesus. His eyes were as the flame of fire. His eyes were as the flame of fire. And on his head were many crowns. And he had a name written that no man knew but he himself. John seen a glimpse of that moment. When Jesus would come in his splendor and his glory on that great white horse to execute judgment upon all men. Where does he come from? He's coming from heaven. The question that I'm asking you tonight, if you've tuned in and you're not saved, heaven, will you be there? You remember the words of Jesus in John chapter 14. He said to those disciples, I'm going. To prepare a place for you. That place is called heaven. Jesus has prepared a place in glory. A place in heaven for you and for me. Will you be there? Heaven, will you be there? In this place, let me tell you something wonderful about heaven. Let me tell you something glorious about this place. This is what the Bible tells us. That God will wipe away all tears. There'll be no more tears in heaven. Think of the amount of tears that have been shed over recent weeks. But there's no tears in heaven. There's no more death in heaven. There's no sorrow in heaven. There's no crying in heaven. There's no more pain. There's no more aches in heaven. The Bible tells us there's no hunger in heaven. We never thirst again. The Bible says there's no more curse in heaven. The Bible tells us that the Lamb, that is Jesus, is in the midst of the throne. And there we, there we rest and there we enjoy the pleasures and the joy, the ecstatic and the everlasting joy of our great salvation. He wipes away all tears. There's no suicide. There's no depression. There's no anxiety. There's no disease. There's no pandemics. There's no sin. There's no sickness. There's no pain. Just the eternal joy and peace to be with Jesus forever and ever. Heaven! Will you be there? Jesus said in my Father's house, there are many mansions, many places. 
If it were not so, I would have told you. Now I'm going, he said, to prepare a place for you. Who goes to heaven? Who is it that goes to heaven? Probably nine times out of ten, if you were to ask people all around us, will you go to heaven when you die? I would say nine times out of ten, most would say, yes, I'll go to heaven. But this is what the Bible says. In 1 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse 9, And I'm reading from the Amplified Version tonight for you to understand who goes and who doesn't go. Do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit or have any share in the kingdom of God? Those that are not saved, those that are not born again, they will have no inheritance in the kingdom of God. Don't be deceived, friend. Listen, this is what the Bible says, 1 Corinthians 6 and 9. Neither sexual, sexually immoral, nor idolaters. When that says sexually immoral, that means those in fornication, those living outside of marriage, those that are adulterers, sexual immorality, nor adulterers, nor the effeminate, nor those who partake in homosexuality. This is what the Bible says nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor drunkards, nor rivalers, whose words are used as weapon to abuse and to assault and to humiliate and slander, nor swindlers, nor those will, none of those people will inherit or have any share in the kingdom of God. Remember what we said in Revelation, they shall have their part in the lake of fire which burns with fire and brimstone, which is the second day. This category of individuals as a representation of every man and woman that's born. Every one of us are born sinners. We're born lost. We're born in sin, shaping in iniquity, without hope and without Christ. That's the categories we fall into. Adulterers, sexually immoral, idolaters, homosexuals, thieves, greedy, drunkards, revilers. Listen, this is our category. This is what we are. We're sinners. We're lost without Christ. The Bible says then in verse 11, that's what some of you once were. In other words, if you're listening, you're not saved. And you know a Christian, or someone's asked you to listen in tonight, and they're a Christian. Listen, that's what they once were. We're not better than anybody else. We're just in that category. But here's the wonderful thing. There was a point, there was a time in our lives when we come into a personal relationship with Jesus Christ and He washed us from our sins and He sanctified us and He made us holy in the name of Jesus Christ and we're partakers of a new life in the Holy Ghost. We were born again of the Spirit of God through faith in Jesus and repentance of sin. That's what we once were. We were sinners. We were drunkards. We were liars. Brothers and sisters, sinner friend, tonight, it's a meeting with Jesus. What gives us a pass into heaven tonight? What is our access to heaven? Is that a man or a woman has been born again. He's given life to Jesus. He's repented of his sin. He asked Christ into his heart by faith. And Jesus, by the power of the Holy Ghost, comes in. And a man or a woman is born of the Spirit of God. Jesus said that you must be born again. You must be born again. 
As in Adam, every one of us, our first parent, as in Adam we were born, all of us will die. But when we're born again through Jesus Christ, we're made alive. I want you to understand this because some might be saying tonight, you read out a category of people tonight, but I don't fit into that. I'm not as bad as what you're saying. I'm not sexually immoral. I'm not an adulterer. I'm not a liar or a thief or a drunkard. I don't go out partying. I'm not a homosexual. I'm, I live a good life. I'm a moral person. I'm a religious person. I actually go to church. But I want to tell you, friend, you need to listen very carefully because all the church going in this world will never save you. No matter how good a person you may think you are, the Bible says that every one of us are born in sin. And we need to be born again. This is what the Bible says in 1 Corinthians 15 and 50. Listen to this carefully. Now this I say, brethren, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God. It is impossible as we are, born as we are, no matter how good we may ever be, it is impossible for us to enter into the kingdom of God, to enter into heaven. No matter how good you are, you cannot enter heaven unless you're born again. When our first parents sinned, I want to show you this. Adam and Eve, our first parents, when they sinned and death passed upon all mankind because of their sin in that garden, that every human that was born subsequently was born in sin and the wages of sin, they would die. Even after they sinned, I would assume that Adam and Eve were probably, in the eyes of you were looking at them at that time, weren't necessarily very wicked people. They probably looked as probably about as best a human that you could imagine. Because when they were created, they were created perfect. When they disobeyed God and sin entered in, they were probably in the immediate times after that, probably about as best as human that you could possibly ever imagine. But you look at Genesis 3 and verse 23, and what you'll find is that once they fell and they turned from God, it says that the Lord God sent them forth from the garden to till the ground from whence he was taken. So he drove out man, and he placed at the east of the garden of Eden cherubims and a flaming sword, which turned every way to keep them from the way of life. In other words, it was impossible, no matter how good Adam and Eve were after they had fallen, that they could never again come into the presence of Almighty God. The way of life was guarded by a flaming sword, by a cherubim at that gate. You listen to me very carefully. It is impossible by your good works. It is impossible by your good living. It is impossible by being a good Protestant, being a good Catholic, being a good Hindu, or being a good Muslim or just being a good atheist, it's impossible for you to enter into heaven. It is impossible by your good works that you can enter heaven. Thomas said, remember the way was guarded 
Remember the words of Thomas. He said, Lord, how can we know the way? How can I know the way tonight? Jesus said to Thomas, Thomas, listen, how can you know the way? I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. No man cometh to the Father one way but by me. There's one way that you're going to go to heaven. There's one way that you'll be in glory in that place called heaven. There's only one way. It will not be through any other man or woman that's ever been born or any other man or woman of any religion. There's one way in which you'll be saved and you'll be saved and go to heaven through Jesus and Jesus alone. You cannot be saved through your church, through your chapel, through your mosque, or any other means. There's one way to be saved, and that's through Jesus Christ. You are more. Listen, friend, you are more than a statistic. You are more than a statistic, a number on a page. You are more than a statistic tonight. God loved you so much that He sent His Son into this world to die on a cruel cross for you and for me. You're more than a number Jesus Christ died for you and he loves you. Turn from your sin. Ask Jesus into your heart. Tonight call upon him. You can know of a certainty. You can know of a certainty tonight if you repent, turn from your sin. And by faith ask Jesus into your heart. Thank him for dying on the cross. Ask him to come in. And then tell someone that you give your life to Jesus and the born-again experience will happen in your heart by faith in God. Heaven, will you be there? I pray it is God's desire that there wouldn't be one person perish. How do I know that? Because he gave his son Jesus on a cross that died for the whole world. Tonight, friend, you can know before you put your head on your pillow tonight. You can know. You can know. If you get on your knees in your room and you ask Jesus into your heart, ask him to forgive you for your sin. Put your faith and trust in him. You can know before you put your head in that pillow tonight that you have peace with God. And if you should become a statistic in this world, can I tell you something, friend? If you're saved tonight, you'll be absent from this body and present with the Lord forever. Heaven, will you be there? It's our desire that every man and woman, boy and girl, will be there. Will you be there? Will you be there? Make it sure tonight. Give your life to Jesus. There's one way, Jesus Christ. He's the way the truth, and the life. Tonight, if you're listening and God's speaking to you and God's speaking to your heart, and I believe God is speaking to lives. I don't say that in some mystic way, but I believe that the Holy Spirit, God is speaking to some life tonight. If you're listening and you're sincere and you want to give your life to Jesus, I just ask you tonight, as, you, as we come to this closing prayer, that you'd make this prayer your prayer in your heart, that you would pray this prayer. And if you do that, I would just ask you to do one thing. Would you contact us in some way to let us know so we can pray for you? Would you message us through the, the Facebook or send an email to us through the church website? 
You can send a private message to us to say, here's my name. I give my life to Jesus. We'd like to give you some literature and support you and pray with you. That's all we want to do. But if you're sincere tonight and you want to do that, then you pray with me tonight as we close in prayer. Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray that you would forgive me of my sin. Lord, I pray that you would come into my heart and save me. Lord, I give you my life. I pray that you would come tonight and you would set me free, that I would be born again. I give you my life. I put my faith in Jesus. Lord, in Jesus' name, I thank you for the cross. I thank you for dying for me. I thank you for your blood that washes me from sin. I thank you tonight that he whom the Son sets free is free indeed. Lord, save me tonight. I ask it in the name of Jesus. Amen. If you prayed that prayer, would you let us know? Would you speak to someone? Confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus Christ. And when you hear the next question, heaven, will you be there? You can say, I'll be there. Praise the Lord. Thank you for listening tonight. Praise the Lord.